this notion that this pandemic struck and then suddenly uh, great brands were defined in that moment is a little bit hollow because in reality, I think the brands that we see standing out and Graham mentioned a few of them just a few moments ago, uh, the ones who are treating their employees well and even treating their candidates well during a time when they may not be hiring, I mean, those are likely organizations that had a strong purpose and a clear EVP from the beginning and were treating their employees and their candidates well when times were good. Welcome back to the Talent Experience Show. This is your look at what's happening right now in recruitment, talent acquisition, talent management, and HR tech. My name is Tom Tates. I'll be joined by my co-host, Devin Foster, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by the team at Phenom, and we're excited to have one of our partners on the show. We're going to be bringing on Graham Thornton and Martin Pred. These two gentlemen are the co-founders of Change State. You can check them out at changestate.io. They are experts in employer branding, and they are going to be talking about how you can really manage your employer brand, especially in this time of rapid change and crisis. We're going to jump right into the content. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am super excited to have not one guest, but two guests. Uh, Devin and I are joined by Graham and Marty from Change States. Uh, you can find them at changestate.io. And uh, they are celebrating their one-year mark as a bootstrapped company. Graham and Marty, welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. So I want to give you guys an opportunity just to introduce yourselves real fast. Uh, we can start with Graham if you want to say who you are, uh, You know, kind of the quick 30-second uh, minute pitch of who Change State is and how you got started. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about ChangeState. I mean, we're a recruitment marketing agency because everyone knows what that means. But, you know, we take a really different approach to recruitment marketing um, as an agency. So my background is uh, I spent about 10, 12 years on the uh, HR recruitment side of things in sales and then running all of our solutions architects for all of our pre-hire software tools at CareerBuilder. So uh, anything from ATSs to CRMs to you know background check vendors was part of our responsibility because you know, I think that that uh, technology aspect does not stand uh, exclusive of a company's recruitment marketing efforts. Um, and Marty and I go way, way back uh, to high school. This is actually our, our second business together. We used to mow lawns together back in Northwest Indiana. Um, and Marty has a very unique perspective um, with his background, which I'll kind of toss it over to Marty and let him share as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, before I f- co-founded Change State with Graham, uh, I spent about 15 years doing consumer brand strategy work and market research. So one of the opportunities that I saw when we started Change State was to bring some of that best thinking from the world of consumer branding to the world of employer branding. And so we have a lot of, we think, unique approaches and perspectives to offer to clients who are serious about understanding and optimizing their employer brands. And, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why we, you know, uh, named the company Change Day, I suppose. You know, the, the state of town acquisition is always changing. You know, what companies have been doing, you know, five years ago um, uh, is completely different from, uh, from a marketing perspective. Uh, you know, we've seen growth of CRMs. We've seen, um, you know, adoption of different, um, you know, curse site, uh, you know, tracking capabilities as well. Um, and, you know, we're really trying to help steer companies through that whole digital transformation with, you know, tools, technologies, you know, brand strategies, you know, that makes sense for individual companies, um, recognizing that there's there's really no one size fits all plan for um, for organizations today. 
Yeah, totally. And I think you you're both in such a interesting position right now. Uh, especially with a name like Change State. You mentioned uh, how much has changed in the past five years. I'm constantly thinking about how much has changed in the past five days uh, because I, I've found that, you know, and we're all experiencing this, we're all going through it uh, in response to uh, COVID-19. Uh, it, it's a bit of an accelerant. I mean, that, that digital transformation that we're all experiencing uh, right now, what might have taken a company one year, uh, two, three years to actually get to from point A to point B, uh, it's it's taking, it, it's being forced to to be uh, be a couple of months, you know, or even a couple of quarters, you know. So I think we're finding ourselves in uh, a period of rapid change, um, and as a result of that rapid change, and uh, I'll explain why uh, you're the perfect guest to talk about this topic that we're going to cover today. Um, companies have had to make a lot of decisions. Uh, in response to rapid changes uh, in in this pandemic that we're experiencing, and uh, how you handle that, and and how you handle making those rapid changes, uh, it has such a huge impact on on your brand, uh, not just your employer brand, but your brand. Period. Uh, and Marty, you wrote such a fantastic blog post. I'm going to put a link in the show notes that everyone can check out. Uh, the title of that post was "Employer Branding During Crisis: Our Early Thoughts About the Road Ahead." Uh, I read this post. Um, and I thought, hey, we need to get Graham and Marty on a podcast and just talk about this specifically and really dig into it and get your thoughts on this uh, because it's impacting companies of all sizes. Um, so whether you have to let go uh, 5% of your, your your team or 50% of your team um, or whether you have to make hard decisions about your product line uh, or pay cuts or anything, right? Like th- how you make those decisions is really going to have a huge impact. Um, and we're just going to dig into that today. So I'm going to turn it over to Devin uh, just to jump into um, a couple of questions just around this this interesting spot that we're in. Yeah, Tom, you, you said it. There is a, a tremendous amount of information circling around uh, about how companies are responding to COVID. Uh, Mark Cuban has a quote that says, um, you know, the way that companies react to COVID is going to define uh, their brand for years to come. But Tom Tate, uh, yours truly uh, across the mic stand from me has an even stronger take uh, take on this. And he says that uh, the way that you react to COVID could even define if you have a company uh, down the line, not how it affects your brand. Um, and I think that that's something super powerful. Now, my question uh, for the gentleman at Change State is, is why do you think this is? Uh, obviously, business leaders are in a tough spot. Um, in most cases, COVID-19 is the direct correlation for for downsizing or or changes within the work um, within the workforce, um, and the brand has little to do with it. So, why are people like Tom and Mark having such hot takes on on this? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think we all uh, took notice when Mark Cuban made that tweet, or at least I think it was a tweet, but um, a pretty provocative statement. And I think there's certainly some truth to it. Um, you know, again, my background is in consumer brand. And I think one of the trends that we've noticed in that space over the last decade or so is that people just have a lot higher expectations uh, of the companies and brands that they interact with than they used to. You know, it used to be okay if you had a good product and you know, say we sell widgets for XYZ price and it's a good price and that used to be enough. And really, it's no longer enough. You know, people really want to know why you're in the business that you're in it. You know, why are you making this widget? What is the higher purpose of the organization? Um, you know, I think another way of thinking about it is people want to feel like they have a, a connection with the organizations and the brands that they 
either do business with or or employed by, in the case of employer brand, on the level of personal values. Um, And I think what we've seen with this COVID epidemic is that it's been a real accelerant. Uh, It's really pushed this question of why are you doing what you're doing to the center stage? And it's really kind of revealed uh, which companies and which employer brands were, you know, talking the talk on their career sites and which of them were actually walking the walk, so to speak. Um, you know, if you're an organization that says on your career site that we're all about family and we put our team members first and, you know, you can imagine all the other things that appear on career sites. Yeah. And then the moment a crisis hits, you have suddenly the instinct to, you know, focus on your bottom line and put your shareholders before your employees. Well, I certainly would agree with Mark Cuban in that case. I think that's kind of a stench that's not going to wash off easily. It's, it's interesting because, you know, not only are, are candidates potential consumers, but employees are as well, right? And, and I think that gets overlooked a, a tremendous amount depending on what industry you're in. But you two obviously have conversations with HR leaders all the time. Um, what kind of questions and concerns are you hearing when you engage with them and when you have these conversations? Yeah, I think, uh, again, I, th- I think one of the things that we hear is, is companies really want to understand you know, how should they be treating team members, you know, when they do have to communicate unfortunate news, right? I think the reality is, um, you know, there are a lot of companies in a situation where, you know, they have to make pivots and, and difficult decisions at their business. Um, but on the other side, other side of uh, the coin there, um, you know, employees just value transparency too. Um, I think there's been some really unique and interesting examples of, of large companies like, you know, Uber and Airbnb who have gone through, um, you know, layoffs and done, um, and, and done all that they could to support their their exiting employees, you know, creating you know, lead sheets, creating landing pages with, you know, searchable databases of employees. So you know, I think companies are looking for ways to help um, people in that transition because you know, the reality is this is you know, something that is that's out of all of our control. Um, what's what's encouraging to us is I think we see a lot of smaller companies that are um taking some pretty creative approaches to um, you know, trying to you know, keep their workforce together. Uh, you know, we're, we're in Seattle. Uh, there's a company, a couple of companies out here, Gravity Payments, for example. You know, they're 200 people, um, 200 people, uh, uh, they're 200 people large. I'll just start over with Gravity Payments. So, you know, Gravity Payments, for example, there are 200 employees out here and they do payment processing. And, you know, overnight they saw uh, half of the revenue just, uh, you know, shift out the door. Um, when payments are being processed, you know, you don't get paid as a payment processor. It's not rocket science, but, you know, they pull together all their employees and, um, you know, we're pretty, um, you know, pretty, pretty much highlighted in the news for um, being able to eliminate layoffs uh, by having an anonymous survey out in conversation with all their employees to decide, okay, uh, how much could you afford to take a pay cut? Um, you know, how much would you be able to live on if we wanted to keep all of our employees on board? And, and you saw, you know, executives deciding that they didn't, you know, they were willing to work for free for the next couple of months. You know, you had employees saying that they would you know, take a pay cut of up to 50 percent to be able to keep the full team together. And, you know, the output of that is a, is a you know, uh, transparent conversation with employees where you know, you're able to keep your workforce together. Um, I think the other piece that we're seeing now, too, is, you know, this is one of the few times where. You know, consumer and employer brands are really being tied together and the actions of your, you know, your consumer brand are going to you know, tie into you know, how your employer brand is reflected. You know, we've seen you know, boycotts at grocery stores where you know, people aren't treating their employees correctly. And I think there's finally a trickle down effect between you know, the 
uh, interest in hiring the right people and having a true employer value prop. And, you know, as Marty said earlier, walking that walk, um, you know, it is now having effect on your consumer brand. And, you know, I think a couple of years ago, you know, that's been the message that we've been preaching for a while. Um, it's so hard to recognize that connection between, you know, the value of an employer brand. And, and now with COVID, you're seeing more and more of a tie-in. There's, there's a line in, in a blog post that you guys mentioned, adversity didn't build brands, it revealed them. That's a, a strong, strong take. Um, can you unpack that a little bit and explain maybe a couple scenarios that, that opened your eyes and, and my eyes to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think it is a really apt quote for this moment of crisis that we seem to be in right now. You know, at Change State, we do a lot of work with helping companies um, understand and optimize their employer brands and create and redefine their EVPs. And almost invariably, when we start a project like that, we start it with a reminder that to our clients that you don't actually own your employer brand. And this uh, is often a surprise to them. In fact, your employees own your employer brand and your candidates uh, own your employer brand. And that's because brands are based on perception. And I think it's really important to note in a moment like this that you know, perceptions like that are not created overnight and brands are not built overnight. Um, really, they're the result of the way you treat your employees and your customers and all of your stakeholder groups over many touch points over a long period of time. And so brand perceptions don't necessarily change moment to moment or even day to day or week to week. It's, it's a longer term process. And I think that's a, a roundabout way of reminding us that this notion that this pandemic struck and then suddenly uh, great brands were defined in that moment is a little bit hollow because in reality, I think the brands that we see standing out, and Graham mentioned a few of them just a few moments ago, uh, the ones who are treating their employees well and even treating their candidates well during a time when they may not be hiring, I mean, those are likely organizations that had a strong purpose and a clear EVP from the beginning and were treating their employees and their candidates well when times were good. Um, and I think the real question is what happens when times aren't so good? That's really where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And you know, I think we're seeing the flip side of that right here as well, where there's a lot of organizations that had certain marketing messages on their websites, but when push came to shove, uh, they didn't really live up to them. And I think those sorts of inauthentic messages have revealed character rather than created it. I've been saying this uh, in response to uh, the pandemic since the beginning, and I think it kind of echoes uh, what, what you just talked about, Marty. Uh, this is also a good parallel to leadership, right? I'm not going to get political with this, but like I have found that you know, in response to the pandemic, you're starting to see who really is able to uh, create a playbook that doesn't exist. You know, there is no playbook uh, written for how to respond to a pandemic, especially in a lot of the industries that were impacted the hardest. Um, and I think that you're starting to see effective leaders are able to make the quick decisions uh, that are going to serve their people and their organizations um, as well as possible, even in the absence of that standard playbook that they can run. Um, I want to kind of transition this conversation into you know, what, what is the, the, the playbook that HR leaders and HR professionals can start to leverage in, in regards to their employer brand um, as we continue to move through this? So there are some great takeaways in the blog post. Again, we're going to link to that in the show notes uh, so that people can read the full thing. Uh, but I just want to pull out some of those takeaways uh, for the podcast listeners today. 
So there's a there's kind of a segment there too that talks about you know being invited to a Zoom meeting that's ominously labeled business update. I think that's everyone's worst fear, right? You get this weird out of the blue Zoom invitation and it's just a, a strange name. You know, obviously something's up and you show up and maybe there's uh, 20 people on that Zoom call, right? And 20 will enter, you know, two will leave, and that's that's a very unfortunate impersonal scenario for people to find themselves in. Um, and I think for anybody who goes through an experience like that, the immediate response as an employee or ex-employee might be to uh, hit up Glassdoor or hit the review sites, right? And start to pulse uh, with with negativity and a negative response because it feels like you were loyal to a company and uh, there's almost a sense of um, disappointment, betrayal, uh, confusion, as a result, if it's communicated poorly, um, so I'm curious, you know, what what's going to be, uh, Marty, the the future state of reputation management uh, as these layers of complexity get added onto it uh, with a lot of post pandemic sentiments uh, ending up on the web. Yeah, great question. I mean, the truth is, you know, at Change State, we've been paying a lot of attention to Glassdoor and other review sites for a while and trying to help our clients understand at a more granular level what's going on with their ratings and their reviews in particular. Um, we've even built a little bit of a dashboard to help them see like what's going on in a certain time period. And it's super apt for this moment because it allows you to do things like, hey, what, what, what has happened in the reviews that we received just since this pandemic kind of came on the public stage? Um, so I think that's super important to actually get more granular, get beyond that, you know, sort of uh, aggregate average rating that is public facing that everyone pays attention to, because those are really lagging metrics of what's going on with your brand. I mean, many of these organizations we work with have thousands of reviews that were collected over many years. And so even if you get a flood of, you know, say 50 new negative reviews due to layoffs, you might not see that in your average rating for several months. But if you actually dig it and look at the actual reviews that you collected in just the last month or two, you will start to see a sign of that. And then I think the other thing I would say when it comes to reputation management is, you know, you're right. I think one of our expectations is that we might see, you know, an uptick in the number of negative reviews that we're seeing on Glassdoor across employers, especially the ones, of course, that are having to make these difficult decisions in terms of layoffs. Um, I think it's a little bit too early to tell. I mean, fortunately, we have a number of clients who are still hiring, so that doesn't really apply to them in this current situation, fortunately. But I think what we will see with review sites is that the numbers may become a little less important. You know, So I think the average rating on Glassdoor for employers was like a 3.5 before this. Maybe it'll go down some to 3.3. And I think there used to be this notion that um, certain candidates would just not consider employers with a a rating that was below a certain threshold. I expect that threshold may get shifted a bit. And what I also expect is that candidates will be spending a lot more time reading the nuance and the context of those reviews. So, you know, not just what the review said or what the rating number was, but how did the the employer respond and what was the response? And in reality too, you know, I think it's easy for us to think about situations like that impersonal group Zoom call and say, you know, the employer is at fault. You know, but we are not privy to maybe the conversations that went into that where basically somebody might have been able to say, hey, there's no logistical other way for us to do this. You know, there's there's just no way we're going to be able to have um, X number of one-on-one calls in the time frame that we need to have it and control the message this way, right? So from the employer employee perspective, it might have been seen as a negative, but from the employer perspective might have been 
thoroughly vet it and and the conclusion might have been this is the only way right so i think that's you know it's it's really challenging from from the brand perspective uh to manage some of those things that might be seen perceived as missteps uh, but you wrote about this in your article, you know, that this is an opportunity for them, right? To be able to take the actions that they need to take um, and then respond to it and respond to the reaction to it. Uh, so I was wondering if you could talk through, you know, how does how does a brand uh, and how do the people behind a brand uh, kind of look at the response the through reputation management, through other inputs, you know, take a look at that response uh, and then make decisions on how they want to address that response. Yeah, I think when we, you know, start talking about concepts like brand and EVPs and even reputation management, I mean, these are kind of abstract concepts. And I think that one thing that often gets lost along the way is that, you know, brands are built by people for people and people are complex. You know, people are not black and white. They're not all good or all bad. Good people make mistakes. And I think a lot of these same lessons apply to the world of employer branding. Um this is where I might push back a little bit on this Mark Cuban perspective, because I, I do think, you know, we can point to some of the real extreme uh, examples where, you know, certain companies, maybe a giant multinational company with billions of dollars of cash sitting on their balance sheet, and they've decided to lay off their cafeteria workers instantly. I mean, that's an awful thing to do, of course. I think a lot of people would agree. And then we've shown some of the, the really good things too, but I think the reality is that most companies, you know, most organizations are kind of living in this vast middle space where they're not extremely good or extremely bad. And you have a lot of small to medium sized businesses, many of which do have clear EVPs and they do have values that are driving their organizations and they do have this strong sense of purpose. But then the, the rug kind of got pulled out from underneath them suddenly overnight uh, and their revenue maybe dropped to zero. And what do you do about that? And I think the key going forward for organizations that are serious about their employer brands is to not feel so bad about that you made mistakes because we all do this and most brands do this as well. It's really a question of how are you going to respond to and take ownership of the mistakes that you made along the way. And so, you know, we talked about a little bit in terms of responding to glass door reviews, but in general, I think that, that companies that are prepared to take ownership for their mistakes and say, hey, these are our values and we got blindsided by this event and this didn't really quite work out as we hoped and we did make some mistakes in these ways and this is what we're doing so it doesn't happen again. I think that's a real opportunity and a real uh, powerful competitive advantages for organizations uh, as you know, once hiring resumes. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of times it's easy to forget that you know, the impact is not just on the ex-employees or the furloughed employees, uh, there's a huge impact on your existing employees who who saw how you addressed these types of situations and how you responded to them. So I think all your points um, are super important because you want to keep those existing employees engaged as well, keep morale high, uh, keep productivity and efficiency high as well. Uh, there was another aspect of the article too that it was something I really haven't thought about. Um, and I actually... Um, I was thinking about it the wrong way. And you, you, your article actually reoriented this for me. So my assumption with the spike in unemployment um, was that we would see a lot of increases in job seeker uh, traffic ac- across multiple career sites, right? But I haven't seen that spike yet. You know, So we have a spike in unemployment. I thought all these unemployed workers would be 
uh, flooding people's uh, organizations' career sites, right? But I haven't really seen that uh, huge spike or that skyrocketing spike. Um, and a lot of that has to do with uh, a potential decrease in uh, spend, right? In advertising for specific jobs and also removing a lot of jobs from career sites um, and freezing some of that hiring. So I'm really curious to hear from uh, uh, from you, Graham and Marty, just on what do you think the future... Uh, the future state is going to be for uh, basically, you know, talent acquisition and recruiting, like what's going to be the job seeker experience. Uh, and one of the things you mentioned is an increase in organic traffic and how employer brand plays a role in that. I'm really curious just to hear your thoughts on how this is going to evolve and change moving forward. Yeah, I think, I think a couple things, um, you know, first I, I really, I read an article this week and, you know, I love this analogy and, you know, we, the reality is we haven't seen uh, unemployment at, uh, at a 15% level before. And, you know, that doesn't mean that the jobs aren't going to come back, but you know, the, the analogy that I heard is like, you know, what we, what we essentially did is threw a deck of cards up into the wind and, um, you know, let it fall to the floor. And, you know, we're trying to put that deck of cards back together and, you know, what's going to happen is, yeah, we'll, we'll put the deck of cards back, but, you know, they won't be in the same order. And, you know, I think what you're going to see, you know, coming out of this from, you know, from an organic traffic standpoint is, you know, the people that might have been a fit for a job at company A, B or C, you know, are now going to be, you know, doing their research due to maybe a poor experience, you know, coming out of a company that they might have worked for. And, you know, they're trying to find a company where they're a fit, you know, with their skill set. Right. And I think we're going to see a lot of you know, cross industry, cross skill um, movement from people that are re-entering the workforce. Uh, another thing that I think we're seeing is, you know, job seeker intent is is going to change. You know, with three percent unemployment, it's like, hey, like there's, you know, people are just doing their research and they're not necessarily going through that full application process, right? And you know, I think now you're going to have more and more people on the market where they are searching for a job with that intent to apply. And, you know, the best companies are going to be the ones that, frankly, aren't relying on paid traffic for the majority of their, um, the more majority of their applicants. And, you know, Martin and I talked about this, you know, when we started Change State, uh, and we think this just accelerated this, um, this point, you know, anyone can go out and buy job ads and, you know, buy some ads on social media, um, but the best talent acquisition teams and the best agencies are, are really trying to remove your alliance or lower your alliance on paid sources. Um, you know, we've seen a, you know, the one client that has a, you know, chat on, on their social channel to pull applications, they've seen a 4X increase in applications since uh, the end of January. So once COVID started hitting, so, you know, the, the smartest companies are going to start, you know, reevaluating their paid resources. They're going to pay super close attention to, you know, throughput uh, because that that intent of job seekers um, is going to be to to apply off of job boards. You know, they're going to do their research. They're going to look on Google. They're going to research a company on, on social and see if you have a presence. And now more than ever, you need to be able to take advantage of you know, the opportunity to capture candidate information um, who's interested in your brand. Yeah, and that's only going to increase, you know, making sure that you're telling that story on all of your properties, right? And making sure that it's a cohesive story that resonates. And this goes back to something I think Marty said in the very beginning of the conversation uh, is that, you know, everyone from your employees to your prospects, uh, prospective employees, you know, they're all looking to resonate with your va- your values. Um, and I think that's that's a really good summation of kind of the full conversation is that this is an opportunity to really put your values at the forefront, even when you're making hard decisions. Um, and then even if you uh, make that misstep, 
you have this opportunity to reset, uh, take ownership and realign with your values. Um, so I think that we covered a lot of ground and we came full circle. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, both of you for hopping on this episode uh, and sharing uh, some of your knowledge. Before we get into a quick outro, uh, any final words, uh, any thoughts, um, even outside of the realm of employer branding, things that you're um, thinking about, things that you guys have been seeing on the front lines of working with companies, anything you're, uh, any transformations that you're excited for, things like that? You know, I think that this is accelerating a company's need to reevaluate their tools um, and their and their strategy more than anything. And, you know, we're talking with, you know, a Fortune 100 transportation company. And you know, this is the first time that they've ever had a moment to pause and say, boy, uh, what should we be doing um, with our advertising? What should we be? What system should we have in place outside of our ATS to you know, attract our high volume hires when things do start to turn? So I think the best companies are starting to have those conversations and they're you know, re- realigning some of their teams internally to make sure that you know, they take a real strategic look at how they approach talent acquisition. So you know, you've heard the, the buzz about HR digital transformation and you know, how important that is to a company's success. And you know, I think more than anything, you know, COVID has accelerated that with companies that you know, have the capacity to um, you know, take a step back and reflect. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And obviously, if, if you are listening and your organization is in that spot where you're taking that pause to reflect on what is essential and what is most important right now and what does the future state look like, uh, if you didn't know who to talk to, now you know two gentlemen that you can talk to. Uh, so head on over to uh, changestate.io. You can learn more about ChangeState, uh, their services, and how to reach them. Uh, on a personal level, uh, Graham and Marty, what's the best way for people to follow you specifically on the internet? Are you active on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, or just want to send people to Change State, get in touch, and uh, start the conversation? I think the easiest way to find us is on LinkedIn. We uh, we do some tweeting. Uh, a lot of it's about running trails and, and music, and uh, you know, if, if uh, uh, and that's about it on that side. So you know, if you want if want to know where in the Pacific Northwest, uh, I think you should get up to watch an early sunrise on a Saturday. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the way north. But uh, other than that, LinkedIn is where we share most of our thoughts. Yeah, one one other thing that we're doing that we just want to call attention to people is we are offering free access to the Glassdoor Insights dashboard that I mentioned earlier in the podcast uh, for any organization affected by COVID, which honestly it seems to be every organization. Uh, we just think it's super important to uh, be focused on your reputation at this time and to get a more granular look at what's going on. And we really sympathize with people who hate uh, doing pivot tables because I'm one of those people. So it's it's pretty cool, and we're offering three months free right now. So head on over to changestate.io if you want to check it out. Yeah, definitely. We'll put the link in the show notes. So it's super easy to uh, click on that. Uh, I'm really excited that we had this conversation from uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, all the way to the Pacific Northwest. You know, we were able to connect. Um, so I appreciate your time, uh, Graham and Marty. Uh, always appreciate our partnership too between uh, Change State and Phenom. And uh, let's continue the conversation. So uh, we're recording this in in May of 2020. As I mentioned earlier, uh, five weeks in COVID time feels like five months. Um, so who knows what the future will bring? Uh, so let's continue the conversation. Uh, you know, there are many other topics as we continue to uh, get a sense of what uh, virtual university recruiting looks like and all these other things that we're experiencing in the future. Uh, happy to have you back on to cover some cover some more ground. Uh, but again, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and uh, looking forward to more. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Devin. Thanks, guys.
And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Leave us a kind, honest rating or review. An honest review really just helps us to continue to improve the show. We would greatly appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one.